Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll help you identify how you see yourself. I'll also be interviewing Mark Philpott, who lives and works aboard his 40-foot sailing vessel along the Queensland coast in Australia. Mark has spent his entire life traveling and working around the world. His story will encourage you to rethink what success means for you. For more information about Mark, please visit www.globaltravelchannel.com. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. If you're anything like me, you'll love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. Identifying who you are. When you were growing up and you were in school, more than likely you were categorized as some type of person, meaning you're either one of the cool kids, the jocks, the band kids, the drama kids, the nerdy kids, whatever that classification was, became part of your identity. Now, it doesn't mean you like that identity, but it was part of how you saw yourself. I remember years ago, there was a movie called Can't Buy Me Love, and it was this nerdy boy who was in love with this cheerleader. She helped him reinvent himself, and all of a sudden, he became the most popular kid in that school. My point in saying that is usually how we're brought up or, or the groups or the roles that we've been assigned in life influence how we see ourselves. Unfortunately, we often compare ourselves to other people. Now, there's nothing wrong with using that information to be better and to be healthier, but if we compare ourselves and want to be the best in certain things, then unfortunately, our priorities shift. For example, if you want to be the person with the most expensive car or the biggest house or the biggest diamond, if those accomplishments become what you want to be known for, unfortunately, you've forgotten about other areas of your life. And when we focus so much on the external, in other words, how people see us, we forget that we are the ones who answer to ourself. So at night, when you're lying in bed and you're thinking about life, are you able to reflect on the attributes and characteristics that you demonstrated that day? Were you kind to people? Did you encourage people that day? What did you do for your own personal growth and development? My point in saying all of that is this. When we get so caught up in what life says is success or what life says is important, unfortunately, at the end of the day, all we really have left over is just materialistic things. And of course, those have their place. But if that becomes what your focus is, or you become consumed by that, 
then you're not really living. You're more existing to attain certain things. If you stop and reflected on all areas of your life, do you feel success? In other words, at work, do you feel success? With your friendships, are you fulfilled? In your finances, in your spirituality, in your physical health and wellness, when you can look at all areas of your life, you'll start to see if perhaps you're overbalanced in one area. And if you are overbalanced in one area, how has that affected the other areas of your life? In other words, if you are the most successful person at work, but your family won't talk to you because they don't really see you, well, that doesn't seem too successful. And once again, there's absolutely no judgment, but it is important to look at how you can live a balanced life as opposed to overly focused on one area of your life. I once worked with someone who was very successful at work and he was incredibly wealthy. Unfortunately, he was laid off at work and when he came to see me, he was so lost because he had spent so much time and energy at work that he had no idea what to do when he wasn't working. And unfortunately, at that time, he realized his identity was his role at work. And he was very well known for that. But unfortunately, once that was stripped away, he didn't know himself. That's the same thing with us in life. You don't necessarily have to be a CEO of a company. But if you don't take time to reflect on what truly matters, then unfortunately, you'll let life dictate who and what you are. And if we're blindsided in life, what will you do? So I really like this lesson because it gives us the opportunity to reflect and ask ourselves, who am I really? What have I allowed to influence my life? And is that something that I'm proud of? Or is that something I want in my life? You are the person who decides how balanced your life is going to be. I have a fantastic interview with Mark Philpott. He has a phenomenal story of how he identified what success meant for him. He gave up everything and created a new version for himself of what it means to be successful. So stay tuned. Are you an expert in your field or an author who wants massive exposure? I am now looking for self-development experts to be a promotional guest on Lifeology. Currently, Lifeology has an average listenership of over 3 million people per episode. If you are ready to invest in your brand and promote yourself on Lifeology, then apply today. Simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash guest and apply for this opportunity. This is only for a limited time and only a select few will be chosen. So if you're ready to reach a global audience, then apply today. Simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash guest to apply. My guest today is adventurer Mark Philpott, who lives and works aboard his 40-foot sailing vessel along the Queensland coast in Australia. Originally from New Zealand, Mark has spent his entire life traveling and working around the world. He is going to share his adventures with us and teach us the importance of expanding our horizons. Welcome to my show, Mark. James, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you calling in today. I know you are, what, 14 hours ahead of me. <laughs> so yeah. thank you so much. It's so kind of you. I'll tell you all about the sunrise when I see it in a couple of hours. <laughs> exactly. So are you currently aboard your 40-foot your sailing vessel? I am. I'm sitting in the main cabin. I've got my puppy dog at my feet, and the LED lights are on, making it quite a romantic setting, actually. Oh, there at the you moment. go. <laughs> That's awesome. I actually live in Palm Beach, Florida, and so right below me are the huge mega yachts, and so I can... I can look there and just pretend I'm alongside you right now. <laughs> well, I can assure you my vessel's probably not up to scratch as far as some of those vessels you're looking at. It's pretty intense. Lots of helicopters on top of all of them. It's pretty, it's pretty ostentatious. <laughs> I'm, I'm still saving for my first helicopter for my boat. <laughs> we'll keep the dream alive. Now, for 22 years as a global corporate executive, tell me about that. 
Well, look, I was fortunate enough to work for the most global company in the world, and that's DHL. A lot of people won't recognize oh, DHL, that. Sure. Mm-hmm. That is actually the most global company in the world. So I didn't realize that. I had an, yeah, I had an incredible career with that organization, and I started off as a really as a, a young buck in Australia um, at the time where I joined the company. And I went through an incredible ride with DHL, which made me uh, realize some dreams as far as the corporate world goes. I, I lived as an expat around the world in lots of different locations, mm-hmm. um, ending up at the uh, world headquarters of DHL in Brussels in Belgium at the time, where I worked for more than 12 and a half years in that location. Wow. As a child, did you always want to travel? Yeah, I did. I had itchy feet from the time that I came out of my mother's womb, basically. So, um, yeah, I I realized like most New Zealanders, I think, in terms of, you know, our first Christmas present, we're given a backpack. And by the time of age five, we're told how to use it and get out of home and go and see the world. I remember in my early 20s, I lived in Spain for a year, but then I traveled all of Europe for quite a number of times. And it would always be so, it was always so funny to me because I would see so many New Zealanders or so many Australian people or Canadians. Um, and it was wonderful because at that time, I would stay at all the different hostels and you would meet people in a hostel and then you travel with some of them to a different country or a different location. They would go off and then you meet new people. And it was just so neat. And I always enjoyed meeting all the Kiwis and all the, <laughs> all the people from Australia as well. It was a really, really fun time. Yeah, there's a joke in New Zealand that when you leave with your backpack, you've got to turn the lights off. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> How did you go from a corporate executive to, I guess, all of a sudden starting your nonprofit? Well, after 22 years working for a multinational, um, I came to realize a few things, obviously, about myself as a human being. And, you know, we all go through those philosophical chapters in life where we start challenging the meaning <laughs> yeah. of life and what it's all yeah. about. And, you know, the bottom line was, and excuse the pun, uh, I didn't want to keep working for shareholders and making a big multinational company richer than it was Mm -hmm. already. So I decided I wanted to find more meaning in my life. And I thought a way of doing that was to, A, give back and use some of the resources that I had developed over my career at DHL, which were both financial as well as business skills, and actually start a non-for-profit organization. Wow. And what tell us about the non-profit. Well, I was living in Singapore at the time. And it was quite funny because um, if you ever want to kind of cloud your friendships with a lot of people in the corporate world, just tell them you're going to leave and start a charity organization. (laughs) And that's that's basically what happened. You know, there was a lot of people who, you know, inverted commas were my friends who said, hang on, you're going to give away a really great corporate job to go and chase that dream. And I said, yeah, I want to make a difference in the world. So yeah, it was really interesting because um, here I was living in Singapore at the time. I, I, it wasn't my home country. I didn't know anything about running a non-for-profit organization. And I had to go through all the regulatory components of that, of setting up a, a not-for-profit organization in a foreign country as a foreigner, um, oh, wow. and then establishing what I wanted to do in terms of, of making a difference. So it was a really exciting journey. It was very scary at the time as well. Oh, gosh, and of bad. course, when you when you walk away from that corporate logo that you've had on your business card for many years, um, it's a different world out there. Yeah. Well, it was also your identity for 22 years. Yeah, absolutely. So and, uh, you know, so you go through a lot of personal challenges with that as well in terms of that adaptation and that transition into that new life. I know a lot of people who start not-for-profit organizations, but it's just a national one, in other words, within their country. How in the world did you navigate, I guess, starting a not-for-profit organization, but from a global standpoint? 
Well, I was fortunate because of my career at DHL, I had established networks all across the world. So okay. when when I started reaching out to that network, and it was interesting because I, I reached out to former colleagues of mine and existing colleagues of mine at the time, um, as well as customers that I used to deal with in a commercial reality with DHL clients. And many of those um, you know, came on board as supporters in all sorts of different ways. Uh, so that, I guess, made the, the path to success in the nonprofit world at a global level a little bit easier for me sure. because of that network I had established. Yeah, that makes sense. And with that, you had with thousands of volunteers you've worked with your non-for-profit, correct? Yeah, over the years, absolutely. So the recruitment of volunteers um, in that space, if you've had any experience with it, you'll know that people come from all sorts of different backgrounds. And because it was a... Um, you know, a, a global organization. We had people basically volunteering from about 33 countries around the world wow. at different times. And, you know, they bring their friends and family members and, and all different elements too. We had schools involved in universities. So it doesn't take long to wrap up the volunteer numbers when you start looking at it at that scope. Wow, definitely. It actually reminds me of the Peace Corps in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, funny you say that because I did a lot of collaboration with the Peace Corps in oh, really? Cambodia on one of our projects. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I I've, I lived in uh, Washington, D.C. That's from where I moved uh, to move down here. And with that, I met mm. so many people from Peace Corps. And, um, and of course, that's also linked to the State Department. It was just kind of interesting how it all uh, kind of tied together in the D.C. area. But it's so neat that you continue to, I guess, create this humanitarian and social development. So that's, that's fantastic. With this particular not-for-profit, not is it still in, is it still working now? I actually uh, put it on hold when I left Singapore because the next part of my personal journey was to actually become a homeless person. So I put the uh, not-for-profit organization on hold. It is still a registered uh, organization. So mm -hmm. I'm actually in the process now of creating another philanthropic project through it that I'm going to, I actually should be doing it right now in the United States of America, but oh, wow. uh, because of but oh, because well, of yeah. what's going on, uh, sure. it's been delayed. So, yeah, the short answer is yes, it's still registered, and there's going to be an amazing project coming out at the end of this uh, little period we're going through at the moment. Oh, wow. So where in, where in the U.S.? Well, if you've ever heard of a boating a nautical adventure called the Great Loop in America, have you heard of the Great Loop? I have. I, yeah, and that's up by Massachusetts area, correct? Well, it actually, it's a 6,000-mile oh. <laughs> ocean. Uh, well, it's not ocean. It's actually a 6,000-mile waterway adventure around the eastern side of the United yeah. States, up through the intracoastal waterway from where you are, uh -huh. all, the, all the way up to New York City, and then up the Hudson River into the Erie Canal system, across the Great Lakes, and then down the Mississippi into the Gulf of Mexico. That's called the Great Loop, and it's oh, done wow. by, by boats in America. Now, my aim is to is to take a boat full of young adults who are having challenges in life and to do this great loop journey over the period of two years and to help those young people get their lives together through mentorships and buddy programs that we're going to be running on the vessel. Mark, that is incredible. That mm. is really, really neat. So for two years, though, that's a long time. Yeah, we're going to make a TV series about it, um, a documentary series, and we're going to get a lot of filmmakers from all over the world come and participate in that at different times during the two years. So if you can imagine, there'll be people coming and going from the boat for periods of time. There won't be the same people on the boat for the entire journey, except for myself. And uh, we're going to use it as a global collaboration opportunity to change lives. That is amazing. So it, the, if I understood you correctly, the young people who will be on there will not be on there for two years. They'll be transitioning out. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So obviously a, a schedule will need to be put in place, a roster system where mm -hmm. people can come either during their school holiday period or, or their vacation time, and, and that's how we'll work it out. Yeah, that would be interesting to see a docu-reality series, how that would play out, especially with <laughs> in such a confined space for so long. Yeah, <laughs> All absolutely. The different, I mean, obviously, you know you've been in a boat for so long. But yeah, I can't imagine that. That's, that's going to be an yeah, awesome they're... show. I can't wait to watch it. Tiny house living at its best, you can call it. <laughs> That's a really good point. So you said that you, you decided to become a homeless person. Tell me about that. What, what was the impetus for that? Well, look, when I left the corporate world and I start my, started my not-for-profit and I had been doing that for a few years, I, I realized that I was burning the candle at both ends. And while I was doing a lot in the world to help other people through the volunteers and all the great programs that we were running, the one thing that I forgot about was myself. Oh. And I started to realize that I was just burning myself out again, even though I'd left the, I actually left the corporate world to try and find a balanced lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And uh, here I was running my own not-for-profit and actually probably working longer hours than I had been um, in the corporate world. So I woke up one day and I had an epiphany and I decided that, okay, how am I really going to get in touch with myself and how can I strip away all the things in my life to make it really, really bare and authentic and honest? And I thought... The group of people that are probably in touch with themselves that much are, are homeless people because they mm -hmm. have very little. Um, they, they're living with their their senses every day. So I chose overnight basically to put my organization on hold and to become a homeless man. How did you do that? I mean, so were you in Singapore when you became homeless? Yeah, exactly. And it was such a fascinating experience and process to go through. So the first thing I decided to do, I was living in an apartment at the time by myself. And I decided to put an advertisement in the in the local paper at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, a gentleman came along who had, had arrived in Singapore from Scotland and he was working in the oil refinery business and was looking for a place to stay. And when he came to visit me, he said, oh, this is a furnished apartment. I said, yeah, in fact, you can have everything that's in here except for my clothes. And he wow. said, what are you talking about? How much do you want for that? I said, I don't want anything. I said, I'm going to give it all to you. So we're talking about massive LCD TVs, Bose stereo system, the whole whole nine yards, right? And I said, I'm going to walk out of here tomorrow morning if you want the apartment, and I'll just take a backpack with my clothes in, and that's all I want. And that's exactly what I did. How was it for you to make that decision? So I'm sure everybody hearing right now is thinking, oh my gosh, with all of that materialistic <laughs> things, and, I'm, and all of a sudden to say, I'm going to leave it all. I mean, overnight, there had to have been so much conflict within you. I'm, well, I'm assuming, yeah, there, rather. There, there was, but um, I'm the kind of guy that once I make a decision, then mm -hmm. it's 150% all on, and, and I have to do it. So um, the most scary part was I wrote an email to my global network and I'll never forget this. I was sitting, um, the evening before and I, I wrote the email and it was all about, you know, this is my new vision in life. I'm going to become a homeless man. And all I need from you is love, food, and shelter. Those were the three things that I defined as what I needed. Mm -hmm. And within two hours of sending out that email to, again, to my global corporate network that had known me for years, I received these incredible generous offers of come and stay with us and here's an airline ticket to fly to us. In fact, a person that I hadn't seen for 15 years sent me a, a business class airline ticket to fly from Singapore to Dubai oh my as my very first start of my homeless journey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I think it's important to define what a homeless person sure. is because I actually looked this up in the Oxford Dictionary before I started because I thought, yeah, okay, people are going to you know try and take me down for calling myself a homeless man. But the reality is that a homeless person is actually defined by having no fixed abode. So once mm -hmm. I walked out of that apartment in Singapore, I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't have 
another place of mine that I could go to. Yes, I had friends around the world that I could go and knock on the door. But what evolved in the time that I spent as a homeless person, 18 months going around the world, it lasted for, um, you know, I slept in parks, I slept in airport terminals, I slept in railway stations, I slept on mountaintops. Um, I wasn't always accommodated during that process, and that's mm-hmm. what made it so special. When you experience this or going through this, and people, outsiders, would stare at you, how is that for you? Because you're redefining your values, you're redefining all the different aspects of, of your life. Walk me through that as far as your own self-perception. Well, look, there was, of course, a lot of judgment and judgment from people that were very close to me and people who thought, once again, I was, stu- you know, people thought I was stupid leaving the corporate world to go and start a charity organization. You imagine what people thought <laughs> when I said I was going to become a homeless man, yeah. right? So, you know, the, the the layers of judgment continued to to combine on top of each other. So, I got pretty thick skin very quickly and I realized that, hang on, I'm only doing this for me. I'm not doing this for mm-hmm. anybody else in the world. And the universe is going to take care of me and yeah. it's going to connect connect me to the people that will take care of me and love me and provide me with what I need. And that's exactly what happened. Once you came, once you decided not to be homeless anymore, what was the, the main lesson you learned? Well, ironically about that, because to be honest with you, I probably would still be doing it today if if there wasn't an intervention. And the intervention was during that journey, I received a phone call from Australia, in fact, from where my parents lived, and they were very ill. So I only returned to Australia to take care of my parents at the time. And uh, otherwise, I could probably safely say to you, I'd still be doing the homeless journey today because it was such a rewarding experience. Wow. Well, hopefully your parents are okay. But for you to, to make that choice and make that decision and then decide to come back to, I guess, Australia, um, I'm sure your, your value system changed. I'm sure your self-perception, I'm sure that your perception of the world completely changed. Yeah, I think those 18 months were probably pivotal in my own personal development through everything else I'd been through with you know the corporate life, uh, a non-for-profit life. Um, I saw things and experienced things within myself that I didn't believe were possible. Um, as a result of that, my I guess my faith in humanity grew tremendously because if you take yourself out of the system where you're not watching the media every day and listening mm-hmm. to what's going on and, and you're not part of the system, so you know going to work every day and being collaborated in that way um, and you're, you're by yourself and you're learning about yourself, it's an incredibly amazing journey that's you know i really don't have the adjectives to really describe it wow that is that's phenomenal i mean it just you know even thinking about that right now in my own life just real quickly for me i had a very successful practice in the dc area and i gave all that up and i wanted to be location independent and i wanted to do whatever it is i'm going to do um, as long as i had an internet connection and that's really how lifeology started and so in yeah. some ways we're similar i mean i obviously didn't go the, the route that you did which is very very uh very very inspirational so thank you for i guess paving the way for all of us when you kind of reflected back on that can you give me a really memorable time when someone who didn't know you who was outside of your network showed compassion to you when they saw you being a homeless person yeah, absolutely. I've, I've got a great uh, moment, actually. I was on a train from Frankfurt to Munich in Germany, and I, I got onto the carriage pretty late just before the train left Frankfurt, and I walked up to the, the carriage where I was going to find my seat, and it was packed. It was like standing room only, uh, and yet I had a seat number, so I sat down and I sat next to a, an elderly gentleman, 
And we got talking after a minute and I realized he was American and he realized that I wasn't German and we started a, a conversation. And in fact, he came out of um, Missouri oh. and he started telling me an incredible, amazing journey that he'd been on. He'd actually walked across Europe as a young boy Wow! and had done an amazing adventure. And I thought, wow, the universe has you know, really looked after <laughs> me here. It stuck me next to a role model, a mentor and, and everything. Anyway. He was going to uh, a lovely guest house that evening in Munich, and he invited me as his guest into the guest house and uh, ended up having an amazing evening with him and commencing a lifelong friendship now that we still have to this day. Oh, wow, Mark, that it really is incredible when you think about it. God, the universe gives us what we need when we need it. So it's always, I think, so interesting because when you slow down and are just aware of your surroundings and look for all the gifts and the beauty and the opportunities around us, they literally are all around us, but often we become so internal that we just don't see them. Yeah, I think once we remove that coat of fear, then the world opens for us. And uh, I think stepping outside of the comfort zone, that's where the magic happens in life, that's for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned what you're going to be doing with your TV show. From now until then, what's next for you? Well, it's um, all about podcasting for me at the moment. And I've taken this wonderful opportunity of being on a, a sailing vessel uh, to be able to sit here and talk to people all over the world like you do about uh, their travel adventures and putting a lot of planning time, obviously, into this next project because it's going to be a massive undertaking. I've already been working on it for two years and uh, have a lot of supporters all over the world already on, on different online platforms that are, are ready to dive in and help us. And once this black cloud that we're living under at the moment lifts off, which we're sure it will soon, um, then it's going to be full steam ahead to make the Great Loop Project come to reality. That's wonderful. Well, since my show syndicates uh, multiple times throughout the year and years to come, um, my, my listeners, whenever you hear this show, more than likely, you'll also have the opportunity to watch Mark's show on one of the networks. So stay tuned for that as well. Mark Philpott, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. Your inspirational story has truly inspired me and I can't wait to speak more with you offline. So thanks for being a fantastic guest today. Thanks for having me, James. I also wanna thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.